This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Ponco Chicken. Ponco Chicken, if you did not already know, is a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine. Uh, there are stores, if you're not familiar, um, all around the Atlanta area. Uh, there's one in Marietta now. There's one in Buckhead. There's one in Shambly. There's one in uh, Midtown. They're popping up everywhere because Ponco is awesome and uh, they're like family. So um, go check out Ponco if you have not already. It is the home of the award-winning Japanese American Chicken Tender. Just to brag on them a little bit more, they were Verizon Super Bowl Live top-selling vendor, three-peat Taste of Atlanta award winner. Um, Midtown Alliance Best Taste winner. Just they won all the awards because Ponco is great and Ponco is delicious. So if you are in the Atlanta area and are looking to try something new and good and delicious, go check out Ponco Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. Uh, also, if you have not already, go check out chasemonspodcast.com. It's where all of my episodes to all of my podcasts are, all of my writing that I do, uh, more information on me and who I am um, and why you should be listening to this podcast and reading my work and all of that great stuff. Go do that. Go to Chase Thomas Podcast today. If you're an Apple podcast listener, go ahead and leave me five stars and a rating and a review. That's great. I need it. Um, it helps the show continue to grow and all of that good stuff. Um, you can listen on SoundCloud, Spotify, like I said, Apple, Google Play, everywhere where you can get your podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast will be there. So go do that today um all right i think that's everything we can get into today's episode uncle darren let's go chase thomas pod the chase thomas podcast um my nephew needs me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it hello good afternoon and welcome to a monday afternoon edition of the chase thomas podcast james edwards of the athletic is here James, good afternoon, sir. How are you hanging in there? I'm doing well, Jake. Just uh, enjoying the blue skies from inside the house and just trying to keep some sanity. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, the Pistons. This is a team, so we'll have to see what happens with the regular season, um, what uh, they end up doing in July. Do we have the NBA in Vegas? Do we have it in Disney World? We don't know. This is subject to change. Like Even after we're done recording today, we could have new questions and answers coming out of that. Rather than speculate about that, I would rather focus on what the Detroit Pistons, because something that's come up recently um, that people are starting to look at, because um, at some point, free agency will be here for the 2021 season. And the Pistons have options, um, not like Atlanta Hawks level options, but they have options. And what do you think their their strategy is with the cap space? Because you saw like the report that they're willing to take on some bad contracts to get out of some of their cap space. What is their thinking right now? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's exactly it. This is a team that has embraced the uh, embraced the, the change in direction and embraced the rebuild. And you look and the, I mean, historically, the Pistons have not uh, attracted key name free agents, and when they have, they haven't worked out. There's a Josh Smith connection here. Um, <laughs> Are they still playing? And uh, well, whenever the season ends, will be the last is the last season. Okay, there you go. So I, I would imagine. I would imagine it's probably gone by now. Um, but yeah, technically this is the last season. Um, yeah. And you look at the options this year and it's not a great free agency class. And like I said, they embrace the rebuild. So what, what they can do is learn from the likes of the Grizzlies um, and other teams across the league who have built young rosters um, through address, uh, acquiring assets, using cap space, um, sign short-term deals for guys, um, just fully embrace the youth movement. Let the young guys play. If you make the playoffs with the young guys and, and Blake Griffin coming back healthy and Derrick Rose healthy, cool. It's, it's not the end of the world. What you don't want to do is tie your money back up um, and you're just competing for the eighth seed. And I, don't, I think this season with the moves that they made at, around the deadline, um, I think you can all but assure uh, that the Pistons will not be um, – looking to try to get back into playoff contention uh, purposefully purposefully next year. Why did the Pistons keep Derrick Rose? And what were the real conversations being had about his value and what other teams were, like the Lakers were willing to give up for him? Yeah, like I, I mean, you hear that what they wanted to, to trade Derrick wasn't there. Um, what did they want? Sure teams probably. Uh, the sense I get is they wanted a, a first round pick, a lottery type pick. Mm. Um, or maybe that's maybe too high. The first round too pick high. That, yeah. Yeah. Maybe like a first, I've either heard late lottery or back half of the, or not back half, the middle half of the first round, right outside the lottery, not like yeah. a late one. That's essentially a second. Um, what, what they're thinking is I would talking to some people and just kind of making sense of the situation. You would think that, Having Derek on one more year, um, it, you can move him if he stays healthy. Obviously, the big question is if he stays healthy. Um, you, you can maybe move him for a better asset next season, whenever that is. Um, two, you can't have a bunch of you can't have a romper room um, in the in Detroit. You got to have some veterans, and Derek's on a, a friendly deal. Uh, guys look up to him, um, and then furthermore, you got to put butts in seats. And I mean, Derek. I don't know if you've been to a game where Derrick Rose is playing. No matter where you're at, he has tons of fans, um, yeah. and they love him in Detroit. He likes Detroit. Um, I just if the if the deal wasn't there that they wanted and that they felt the value uh, they were getting in return was worth it. I, I I I don't see really a problem with holding on to him for another year. Now, if he gets hurt, then it's everybody's like, oh, I told you so. But um, if you're able to do it and he stays healthy, I think you can probably get a better uh, return sometime during next season or this summer. Who do players gravitate more towards, Derek or Blake? Um, it's been a little weird because since Derek's been here, Blake's been kind of gone mm. with injuries. Yeah. So I haven't they haven't really been available at the same time. Hmm. Um, I would say that Blake is more of a a natural leader um, in terms vocally. Um, obviously his play last year was insane and. Uh, guys respected and kind of were put back into place with how good this guy really is um so i i i think naturally blake's probably the more 
um, forceful leader, but I do think guys, uh, I mean, you, you probably pulled the whole roster. I would say Derek Rose is probably in the top five favorite players of half of the team. You know what I mean? Cause they, mm-hmm. they, they grew up watching them. So yeah, it's a tough one, but I, I think they lead differently. Um, and Derek is a, uh, Derek is kind of a lead by example guy and kind of a nostalgia guy for a lot of those, uh, young guards. Did you ever believe that the front office wanted to build around Drummond and Blake Griffin long-term? Um, what I will say is I don't think this front, I mean, obviously I don't think they wanted to, mm-hmm. um, Ed Stefanski and Malik Rose and that new crew took over. This is their second season. Um, and so a year in they traded Drummond. I do think ownership felt pressure to win. Uh, they hadn't won under since Tom Gores bought the team. Uh, they made one playoff appearance before last year. And I think they kind of wanted to take one last swing at, at trying to make the playoffs and do something. And they saw Andre and Blake as, as a, a different, but a, a potentially impactful uh, duo to, to go through the East and, and take up a playoff series win. And it, obviously injuries this year kind of derailed that plan and, made everybody look in the mirror and realize we got to do something different. Uh, but in terms of the front office, I don't, I think they're aware that uh, just the way today's game is, it, it wasn't going to work. And I think they got through to ownership or uh, kind of the circumstances of this season uh, got through to ownership. Interesting. And I have more questions about the the current front office in, uh, in a second, but um, mm-hmm. when you look at what they ended up getting for Andre Drummond, do you think they, if you look at just his contract for the last year or two and the situation with him and Blake for the last year or two, do you think that this front office mishandled maybe what Andre Drummond was going to actually get around the league, like what his value was around the league? Did they did they misread that? Or is this just because he's a center, because he can only do so many things, because he's only just a great rebounder, like there's just not a bunch of value there? Um what what do you make of how they they handled the Andre Drummond trade to Cleveland? Yeah, I think in Detroit, one thing fans kind of misconstrue, um, misconstrue, misconstrue. Sorry, it's been a long four days. Um, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you probably should have traded Drummond two or three years ago. Um, but what I'll say is, this front office is new. This isn't the same front office that gave him the contract that drafted him. It's this front office has been here for this was their second season. And um, last year, from all accounts and what I've heard, the mandate from the top was to make the playoffs and the odds of you at last year, when you probably maybe can get a little bit more value for drum. I still don't think you get a lot more, but you get a little bit more. Um, The value probably in return, isn't going to get you to where your boss wants you to get. Um, So this year, everything everybody's kind of agreed on changing directions and the returns not i mean it maybe was surprising to some I, it wasn't surprising to me i've been told that his value around the league like teams didn't necessarily think he might be a winning player hmm. um he's a traditional center in a non-traditional world and um i think there was probably a sense of detroit was eager to get off of him and i think for detroit the big thing was just moving on getting the cap space not kind of worrying that he'll lock in the next year and you're kind of running back the same team and, and doing the whole revolving door thing. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, the return was minimal, but I, I just don't think you were going to get much more from him at any point 
uh, whether you brought him back, didn't trade him, and, and try to trade him next season as an expiring or, or whatever. I just think that's kind of what his value was at the time. What kind of sense do you get um, from this new front office that they, they think of Blake? Do they see him still in their long-term plans? Are they going to shop him this summer? Do they just want to see him get back in the court and see what he looks like post-injury before they really start and think about Blake? What What is their thinking about Blake Griffin and the Detroit Pistons? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty, the, the writing's on the wall. The team is, the team is rebuilding and they've done pretty much everything they can except get off Blake's contract. And while I know they, they know how good of a player Blake is, um, while they appreciate everything he's done for the city, I mean, it's just kind of logic that right now where they're at, Blake's timeline kind of doesn't match up with where the team is. Um, obviously he has, they owe him a lot of money, uh, for next year and the year after that, I'm sure he'll opt into his massive player option. Um, and again, yeah, it's just, it doesn't fit with the timeline of what the team is trying to do. And if you're trying to do a full rebuild, getting rid of big money is a big part of that. And, um, I, you really can't do anything until Blake's healthy and, you, and he shows he's healthy. If he comes back the beginning of next season, again, whenever that is, and he's closer to what he was, uh, last year as a all NBA player. Um, I could see them pulling the trigger and trading him. Um, one to get him to a contender and not have him here in Detroit where the plan is pretty laid out now. And, uh, and two to kind of just get on furthermore with the rebuild. Is there a team that you've started looking at that makes a lot of sense for Blake and they have the pieces that would interest Detroit? Is there, have you started planning out potential Blake trades? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's teams you think about if he's healthy and if they would have, maybe if they traded him last year when he was really, really good and they just kind of capitalized on that, I would say, I mean, Portland to me is still a team that makes sense. Um, yeah. They're always in kind of win now mode and they seem a piece away. Um, the GM there drafted Blake in LA, I believe. Yep. Um, I, Neil O'Shea. So, yep. So there's, there's familiarity there. Um, you always think about the Knicks. Uh, just because it seems like they're ready to get out of Drummond too, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Scott Perry was big on Drummond when he was in Detroit. Um, so you thought that was a possibility. Blake's a big name, big star, um, one healthy, one of the best players in the league. And I mean, that's another place that makes sense. Miami is another name that you hear, um, uh, places. Yeah. It just kind of all depends on Blake and how he gets back and when he's healthy and, um, kind of where the Pistons are around that time. So we've talked about Malik and Ed, but how would you frame the new front office in Detroit? It it was very easy with Jeff Bauer and Stan Van Gundy to look at the, the hierarchy and who was the final decision maker and how it all worked. But with this front office, how would you organize it and how would you um describe who gets the final say who has more sway than others because there are a lot of cooks in this kitchen now right yeah i mean it's a what they call a unique front office there's no basketball operations right. uh head there's no formal gm uh title i mean that's all ed i think ed and arn tell are kind of the the two at the the, the top of the mountain um Aaron does a lot on the business side, but he is a former agent. He helped bring in Derrick Rose 
Um, he has a lot of connection with players. The Joe Johnson signing at the beginning of the year, it's another former client of his, so he's very involved. Um, but I, I think in terms of just the natural front office, it's Ed at the top um, with Malik right by him, Pat Garrity. Um, uh, what the, I'm, miss, I'm blanking on the name right now. Uh, uh, financial. Greg. Or um, the, 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 the guy who's um, the cap guy. Because I, don't y'all have the, – the, I feel like the Pistons have – He's really gone now. Oh, uh, he is gone. Okay. Fashion Gupta. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's gone. Okay. Um, he went to Minnesota after Detroit. Um, Greg Polinski um, is another one. Um, so they have they have kind of the traditional front office with untraditional names. But yeah, it's 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 Ed Show, Arn Show. Um, it Arn's, Arn's involved, but I would say Ed is kind of the quote unquote GM um, at, at this maker. point. In time. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a collaborative process, but I think he's the one that his voice is as loud as not the loudest um, as anyone's in the room. Interesting. Um, how involved is Gores in the day to day? Um, I, I mean, I don't think he's like, we never he hear signs off obviously. Him. Yeah. I mean, he does in Detroit, like he does a lot of stuff for the community. Um, so I think that's kind of where, they like he's he's been big and during this whole pandemic with the healthcare uh system masks um making sure workers have a place like they offered up the the new practice facility um to hospitals to use however they felt most beneficial so he does stuff in the community and does a good job of that i think on the terms of basketball side um i don't i mean you, of course, an Andre Drummond or a Blake Griffin trade goes through him, and I'm sure every, every move um, has his attention. But I don't think he's, unless it comes to franchise-altering moves, I, I, I think he listens to his basketball people. Um, and 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 definitely now, I think he's he's relinquishing some of his power, as you can see, because I mean, this is a guy. Every time we heard him talk, he says he wants to win and make the playoffs, and obviously a little different tone um, this year around the deadline and. As you saw, they they shook some things up. Does Tony Snell pick up his option? The question that all Pistons fans are wondering this summer: Does he pick <laughs> up his option? My favorite player on the Pistons, I, mean, I, I should say. Really? Okay. Oh, absolutely, no, Mister Zero 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 Zero. Like I am all about guys who are very pro cardio, <laughs> very. Just, you know what? I'm going to get my reps in. I'm going to get my runs in. I'm not going to disturb the peace. I'm going to do my thing. If I don't have an open corner three, guess what? I'm not scoring tonight. Don't care. Have another opportunity. Another opportunity there. <laughs> I, I love Tony Snell. No, Tony Snell is great. No. Tony can go. Uh, Tony can play 30 minutes, and you want, and you ask yourself after, did Tony play tonight? Absolutely. Um, A legend. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's unique in that way. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I think it's a no-brainer. When is is he going to make eleven million, twelve million dollars in a season ever again? I'd say no. <laughs> um, why, why not pick it up? And I think any deal that he would get this summer will be there for him next summer. So, yeah, Does he know I think that, that's by a the no-brainer. Way? Have you asked him about it? Has any reporter asked him about the fact that like he's just the like he doesn't it, if he doesn't get an open three, then he's just getting zeros across the board? Does anyone ask about his play style like that? Uh I mean, I did a story on him where I'd kind of try to learn about him as a player mm-hmm. and just his, his quiet demeanor. And, I, and he's just one of those guys that's going to make the right play. I don't think he thinks about his stats. I think he's a guy that just wants to win. And 
if he, like you said, if he doesn't have a shot, he's not going to shoot it. I don't think he's sitting there staring at the box scores after games. No. It, it wouldn't take long for him to go through his own box score, I don't think. Um, <laughs> but I, I appreciate it. So some of the young guys, because the Pistons, out of nowhere, so there was one player in particular that basketball Twitter was just salivating over, Christian Wood. Then you have Sekou, yeah. who was awesome as well. And then you have just, okay, let me see if I can get this name. <clears throat> He's a Laker. Sivilatislav. That, that's, I think, an accurate pronunciation of his, um, his name. But those are the three on my list of, like, if you had to describe those three guys and what they brought to this team this year, how would you, how would you describe them? Yeah, I mean, I think you're, you're missing a few. Uh, Luke Kennard. Um, Luke Kennard's on my Bruce list Brown. for later. He gets his own subject okay. because Luke Kennard, the difference between being coached by Stan Van Gundy and Dwayne Casey, I I don't really get. It's a perfect example to me of like different coaching staff can change an entire young player's career. Like it's it's wild the difference between Luke Kennard, Dwayne Casey, Luke Kennard, Stan Van Gundy. But that's a different one. That's a different one. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, I mean Christian obviously put himself in position to get a, a nice pay raise. He's a guy that was fighting for the last roster spot going into camp, got it, um, was the backup big most for the first half of the season, produced, uh, was very efficient when he got minutes, and then as soon as Andre got traded, he took he took off, averaging more than 20 a game, mid-50s in true shooting percentage, shooting the three, 40%, um, rebounding at a high clip like that's a guy that jumped on everybody's radar and those basketball nerds on twitter like myself and that don't see him every day we're writing stories and uh kind of intrigued with him I, I think he's a good player that i think he's gonna remain hungry i don't think he uh, people think the money if he gets the contract he might uh he might uh kind of go into a shell i don't think that's the case i think this is a guy who wants to be great and wants to be considered one of the best players in the league and um, I think he has the tools to be one of the more intriguing big men um, in the Eastern Conference for sure. What makes um, him loop for people who did not watch Christian Wood this year in Detroit? Like what what makes him different and what makes him unique as a big in today's NBA? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's definitely. I mean, he's unique's a weird word because the guys that people covet that are big man to play they have the same skill set i guess the the big difference is he's a he's night and day from andre mm-hmm. um he can shoot the three like i said he shoot yeah. it he shoots it from 40 percent. he can take the ball from the three-point line and take all the way to the hoop he has a nice handle um yeah i mean he just plays more like kind of the the big that people covet today the stretch big mm-hmm. um and he, and he hasn't really shot the three ball well previous in his career so people are curious if this year was an anomaly but I mean, the shot looks good and the confidence is there. So I think that'll stay. I don't know if it'll always be 40%, but I think he'll be, uh, he could be mid thirties. Um, if once he gets the, uh, opportunity to acquire more playing time consistently and become a kind of mainstay on a team. Um, just depending yeah. on the shooters around him and what the perimeter looks like in Detroit in the next couple of years. Cause that we don't know. But if you have more shooters and more threats outside, then Christian Wood's going to get more open looks, and that uh, that helps people like Christian Wood if you're concerned about his longevity from behind the arc. For sure. Um, yeah, and then Spee was a guy that last year really couldn't see the floor. Uh, defensively, Dwayne didn't trust him. Um, always, obviously, if anybody knows anything about Spee from his Kansas days, great shooter, 
Um, this year, due to injuries, he was thrown into the rotation. I mean, was one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. Yeah. Um, improve, improved defensively. Um, has a, I mean, he has the potential to be a solid role player in the NBA, whether that's off the bench as like a seventh, eighth man. He's a guy that you could put in and, and count on to hit some shots. Um, he has potential to put the ball on the floor. He needs to improve his, uh, his ball handling and finishing a little bit. But you see stuff there that makes you wonder if it all comes together, how good he could be. Um, I don't think he's like a all-star player by any means, but could he be a a baseline starter? I mean, yeah, there's there's definitely tools there that make you wonder if that's the case. Um, he's still pretty young. Um, and then the other one you said was Seku. Yeah, um, Dwayne just randomly threw him in the starting lineup in January, and he played really really well for two weeks. Um, so that was just like LeBron a, and screw Paul it, let's just try some stuff. Dwayne wasn't even, it wasn't like a, a plan. It was just like, let's just see what he does with this opportunity. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was a plan. He never said that we're going to just start playing him here. Just one day we were in LA and we got the uh, the starting lineup sheet in front of us and it said Seku on it. And he played against the, the Clippers, the Lakers, uh, Golden State. He started, and so he had Draymond, Kawhi, and LeBron were his first three starts. Um, put Pretty up 25 tough. against Boston. Yeah, he, he he played well those first two weeks, and then after that, the the rookie wall hit very quick, and he looked like a a 19 year old who's only been playing basketball for six years, which is what he is. But I mean, yeah, the potential's there. Um, you just you, you wonder how where where the ceiling is with him. I don't think he's a franchise changing player, but could he be an all star down the line? Possibly. Yeah, you see some stuff, uh, but I think at the bare minimum, he'll be a solid player in the NBA. Well, let's get into Kennard. He's a divisive player. Um, depends on what you think about his ball handling. Can he be a lead ball handler? Because he's the shooting is coming. Like, what do you make of Kennard, and what do you make of the difference in coaching from Stan Van Gundy to Dwayne Casey? Yeah, um, I think Kennard. Is, is, is it I, fair to say that they see him as two different guys? it's just hard to tell because I mean, Luke Stan only had Luke for a year. Yeah. Um, so in part of Luke's, I mean, what, I mean, he had a fine rookie year. He wasn't a all rookie team or anything like that. He was fine. But like part of that is him being a rookie and that's just what rookies do. And Stan uh, trying to coach for his job and um, trying to put the best players out there to win. Um, Dwayne obviously came in with more security and more, more rope to kind of try things. And uh, he put the ball in Luke's hands more. Um, Luke's a excellent passer. He showed it this year. I think he averaged career high in assists, 4.5, close to five or something like that. Um, was great in the pick and roll until he got hurt. I think he's one of the best pick and roll guards in the league in terms of points per possession. Um, knockdown shooter. Um, I guess the question is, what is he? Is he a, a starter on a good team? Is he a sixth man on a good team? Um, I think he's always going to be able to score because he can shoot and he's crafty enough to put the ball on the floor and he's a good passer. I think he's a, would be a really, I think his, I think he's, I don't think he's the best offensive player on a good team, but I, I think he could be a fine secondary offensive player, third um, option, offensive ball handler. Um, I, I think there's a lot there to like about Luke. I think what hurts Luke is this team isn't in the position to best utilize his, his skills. Um, I think, when Luke comes back, whenever that is, um, he's going to probably he's going to command the best the team's best uh, defensive player. 
And I, I think that limits him a little bit. We want to be able to put in a good point guard next to him, um, at least one or two good perimeter players next to him so that he's able to take advantage um, of having lesser defenders on him. I think that's kind of going to be interesting to watch. I, I think Detroit wanted to see how he would handle that extra attention um, post-deadline once they made the, the transition, but he was hurt, and you never really saw him as the primary go-to guy on offense, which he, he probably would have been if he was around. What has Dwayne Casey gotten right since being in Detroit, in your opinion? Um, I mean... I, th- I think the guys, I think he's has them playing modern basketball. They're shooting a lot of threes. Um, I think the way they play is, is conducive to winning if they had a better roster. Um, I think he commands the respect from players. I think players like him. I think he's a player's coach. Um, I think he's open to other people's ideas. I think he's just, he's a, he's a really good coach. And um, I just don't think he, the pieces are here to maybe show how um, maybe effective his philosophy is. Uh, but I think he's doing the right things. You can see it. You, they're getting this type of shot you want in today's NBA. Um, it's just a matter of last year they weren't hitting them, and this year they are. Or last year they, or this year they did. They just The roster was just in flux. So, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of things to like. It's just now uh, will he ever have the roster to uh, to complement what he wants to do. It's interesting because he, if you watch Pistons games and you just watch Dwayne Casey, it's just a lot. He, he trusts his guys. Like when he puts you out there, you, if you're a, a player who wants to kind of freestyle and do your own thing and play modern basketball, like Dwayne Casey's actually a really good coach for you. So when people would like get mad at uh, Dwayne Casey in Toronto for DeRozan's late game stuff and what, De- like just how they fold in the playoffs and stuff like that. It was just more of like, I think you're, misplacing um blame here because yeah some of it should fall on casey i guess but like it was really just he trusted his guys and DeRozan is someone you don't trust as your lead option in the playoffs like he's just he's a good player but he's not that kind of player um i think like you said depending on who he gets because guys like blake i think enjoyed playing for him a lot and um he used blake in a, in a more innovative interesting way before he got injured um, Kennard, guys like that, like it's it's going to be good for Seku and Christian Wood. Like they just need to find that right guy in the lottery to kind of lead this next wave of Pistons basketball. But I do think he is someone who can bring stability and someone that I think I hope gets to stick around for a while because Dwayne Case I think is a good coach and um, I hope uh, he gets time. Um, last thing and then we'll wrap up here. Which free agents do you think the the Pistons target, and which ones do you think they should target? So these are two separate questions, I guess. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't have a name, I don't have a list of names in front of me, but like, they're all bad. I'll go ahead and tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think you you throw money at Brandon Ingram and just see what happens. Um, I think mm. you throw money at uh, um, why is it? the guy from Minnesota, Malik Beasley? See yeah. what happens. Um. But other than that, I mean, I think you just sign one veterans on short-term deals and and young players who, I mean, you you think have potential. Like uh, I like, I think DJ Augustine, who's a former Piston. Like if you need a stopgap point guard for a year, um, that's a, that's a fine pickup. Like Augustine. I think respected in the locker room, um, productive. Yeah, like you can get him for little to no money at all. I think that would be a wise signing. And then you. 
there's young guys that you might want to take a gamble on. Um, maybe Emmanuel Moutier just to see if another change, change in scenery helps him or you need a point guard, just test it out. Uh, Bruno Caboclo, um, if my math is right, um, he's now two years away from being two years away. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I think, he's, I think this would be that that time frame. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's young guys that I think I would go after just to see what happens. Um, maybe you find another diamond in the rough like you do with, Chris, like you do with Christian Wood. Never quit. Yeah, Josh I'll Jackson. never quit Josh Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> he's from Detroit, so is he? Uh, maybe they oh, want to. Okay. Yeah, he's 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 from Detroit. Um, maybe that waves red flags. Uh, he's guys close to home. It could be you never know how that goes. But yeah, I mean, type of guys like that who uh, who haven't really shown too much in the NBA, but are still young enough that maybe the right situation uh, unlocks some stuff. I'll tell you who I would target number one. I think it's realistic, and I think this is what I would do, is Fred Van Fleet. I I don't know what the Raptors are going to throw at him. I I just, I would see what I could do. Be like, hey, uh, no Kyle Lowry here. This is, this is your team. You can be the lead ball handler. You can lead this new wave in Detroit. I He seems like the perfect dude to build around these young guys and build the new, a new just team dynamic. I, I love Fred Van Fleet. I would see I would overpay for somebody like Van Fleet for a couple of years. He is someone that I would want around for the next three to five as I'm because like he can you can still be bad and pay Fred Van Fleet a lot of money and not mortgage your future. Like I just I look at guys like you don't Millsap. I don't really think he solves anything. Like whatever. I I, I would not go there. Marcus Salt. No, no thanks. Um, Gallinari might win too many games. I would look at Fred Van Fleet because I don't think he moves the needle. I think he is someone that just, he knows that when he won a championship, he just, he's played for Casey. There's familiarity there. I, everything about Van Fleet, I'm all in. And I like just the warrior stuff with him. I, I would go that route. I would see if I could give him just a ridiculous amount of money where the Raptors can't do it. And then he, he finds his way to Detroit. That, that would be my target if I'm Stefanski and Malik Rose and friends. Uh, I mean, no, I, I mean, I guess I would just argue. I like Van Vliet too. I, I think the situation matters. I just don't see what, how signing him would benefit Detroit. I think it would just kind of put them in the same revolving door. Fred Van Vliet's your best player. You're not getting more than the seventh or eighth seed. I don't think they're making the playoffs um, with him. Like that's the other thing is like I, I don't think so, that changes. So why stuff. throw all that money at a guy then? Because you have to spend the money somewhere. I, like I just, I think some teams like go don't. overboard where it's like you don't want to go where you have no money and it's just all a bunch of young players and you're just hoarding money. Like the Hawks are in trouble right now. They didn't sign any veterans and like they have all this money for this summer. Um, they got out of some of that with the Capella trade, but like you still want a handful of just good veterans in the locker room. And then I think there's nothing wrong with having like that David Lee contract while you get this new wave in there. Like it's okay with having one or two veterans who are making a lot of money. It's it's just, you don't want to be in that eight or nine range. And I don't think Van Fleet actually puts the Pistons back there. I mean, maybe if you keep Blake and he's healthy, that's enough to keep them in that zone. But like, I think you can still be a lottery team and get a good lottery pick. If you pay Fred Van Fleet and you just keep rebuilding because I, I just, for a team like Detroit and where they've been and what their owner wants and a new arena and everything, like, I, I don't know. I think just signing smart 
basketball players who just know how to play and can help develop the young guys like Fed Fenley would. I just I would do it. I really would. I'm not just breaking the bank for multiple Fred Van Fleets and signing Van Fleet and Gallinari to long-term crazy contracts. No, that's like some old piss and stuff. But like one or two guys on your roster you pay a lot of money to, um, I think it's fine. Because I don't think the needle is actually moving all that much. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I would just argue you can get what you want, what you're saying you want out of Van Vliet for cheaper. Like Derek Rose is a They're guy totally that They're different can players, though. Derek Rose is like a 32% usage guy. Like, he led the Pistons in usage this year. No one's developing around Derek Rose. They're watching Derek Rose. <laughs> right, right. But I'm, what I'm saying is I'm not paying – the, the issue with the Pistons, the difference between the Pistons is the, and the Hawks is the Pistons don't have a Trey Young, and the only way to get a Trey Young is to is through the draft. And right. if you're continuously picking 7th or 8th, what like then you're just doing the same thing you've been doing for the last 10 years. Sure. Like, but, yeah, you're rebuilding. You're not winning, but you're just drafting a bunch of guys that are going to be role players. What is that going to do for you? Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like you might get a Paul George. You might get a Kawhi. You might, like, this is where you trust your scouting department because there's no guarantees. Like, if you're not picking one, like, just look at all the teams that were picking number two, like the Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Like, that, there's no guarantees there. I mean, the draft, it, it <laughs> it's a crapshoot. And if you have good scouting departments, right. you can find your Giannis. Like, you can find that guy in the mid-teens. Like, you can... You can do that. Um, it depends on how much you trust the, the Pistons sky department. And the fact that they found Sekou, I mean, they bet on Christian Wood. I mean, there is a, if you trust this new regime, then I, I mean, maybe they can find that guy later on. Maybe the Pistons find their next star at number 11. I don't think that's out of the question. No, I'm with you. I just am not, I just don't think they're in the position to, I just don't know what, signing a guy to 20 plus million when you have Blake for 30 and 40 million and you're not going to make the playoffs. Like, I don't know how you sell that to fans when you have, you'll have one of the highest payrolls and you're not making the playoffs. I'll, I'll handle it, James. Don't worry. I'll give me the mic <laughs> and I'll talk to the Pistons season ticket holders and I will explain why Fred Van Fleet and Blake Griffin is good for your basketball soul. I, I will do it. I will make sure they understand that this guy wears a bandaid on his face he dies for every loose ball. He um, never misses a three when you're watching. He'll only miss when you're doing something else while watching a Raptors game. He uh, has won a championship. And then you have Blake. And guess what? He's not going to He's gonna share the ball. He's going to do stuff. He's going to bust his ass. He's going to be fun. I, I can do it. I promise I can sell Red Van Fleet to any team. I mean, I want the Hawks to take him, like to take pressure off Trey. Like, just give up on defense um, in Atlanta. Like, that's, that's never happening. You're always going to be just a bad defensive team with Trey Young as your lead ball handler like it's just he's the worst defensive real plus minus in back-to-back seasons like you can't build a good defense you can build maybe an average to bad but like there's no avenue of getting around that so double down two guards who can uh, not who just undersized and just hope that you can have a top two or three offense and see what happens that's uh, how I would do things right now in Atlanta just very Phoenixy, but um yeah that's a, that's yeah, a conversation no, I, for another day I guess yeah I was gonna say I mean I get it I just Again, there's just too many uh, intertwined similarities between if the Pistons signed Fred VanVleet, um, a guy who's really never been a starter to a big contract. It just it just seems like it's a uh, – I don't know if the fans are willing to sign up for that again after 10 years of no playoff wins, 15 years of no playoff wins. I, I like VanVleet. Do you I know who's getting right you a playoff team. win? Fred VanVleet. 
But you just said they won't make the playoffs. They won't. But you know what? I can talk out of both sides of my mouth because you know what? I want Fred Van Fleet to get signed, and I can do that. I can be hypocritical when it comes he to will Fred get Van signed. Fleet. I, 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 I guarantee he will get signed. I, I just don't think Detroit is in the position for If they were a point guard away, hell yeah, go do it. But they're a point guard, a shooting guard, a big man, a bench. There are too many pieces <laughs> away. Oh, it sounds like uh, Ed and Malik and friends and Arn have their work cut out for them. But James, this has been a pleasure, sir. Thank you so much for making the time again to come back on this podcast. What can we read from you in The Athletic this week? Yeah, um, right now I have something. I went through and uh, watched uh, every, or not every, but like 11 of members of the Pistons, their highlight, their mixtapes from high school and ranked them um, just to see who was uh, kind of the bell of the ball in terms of the, the mixtape world. Um, got some draft stuff coming up. Um, yeah, just your normal off-season stuff while the, uh, the world gets itself figured out. Well, hopefully it does just that. James, stay safe, my friend, and we will have to do this again soon. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thank you uh, to the wonderful guests for coming on today's show. Thank you uh, to my wonderful listeners for listening to today's episode. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. Um, If you like today's episode, leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple. It would be great. Um, It helps the show continue to grow, and I would very much appreciate it. Uh, You can also support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. For as little as $5 a month, it helps the show keep the lights on. So that would be a great help to me as well. Uh, You can also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas. You could go to ChaseThomasPodcast.com, which has all of my stuff, all my episodes ever, um, links to everything that you need, um, and all of my writing that uh, I'm doing fairly often these days um, on the NFL, on NBA, on college football, on pro wrestling. I write about everything. I write a lot. um, So go read me on that front so if you're not tired of listening to me you can also read me um so that's awesome but uh i think that's enough self-promotion from me for one episode Uh, i hope you continue listening that would be great and uh i will talk to you all again very soon thanks guys nicely done nephew Chase Thomas Podcast, hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.